0: Selena Not Afraid was a 16-year-old girl who was a member of both the Crow and Dakota Tribes. She lived in Bighorn County, Montana, with her parents and four siblings. Selena Not Afraid went missing from a rest area off of Interstate 90 between Billings and Hardin, a distance of about 50 miles between the two towns, and there is literally nothing else. This area of Montana is incredibly rural, with the rest stop being one of only a handful of locations between the two stops selena was last seen there but why was she there why did her ride leave her how did she end up where she was found and most importantly who is responsible i'm your host michael and this is strange and unexplained Selena Not Afraid was born on June 18, 2004, to parents Leroy Not Afraid and Jackie Big Hair. Selena also had a twin sister named Zoe and two older siblings, Preston and Tristan, and the baby of the family, RJ. But the family suffered its first tragedy in 2015, when 11-year-old Zoe took her own life after suffering from intense bullying at school. Then in 2017, tragedy struck again. Selena's older brother, Preston Bell, died at the age of 23 when he was involved in a shootout with Billings police officers. Bell was struck 17 times after attempting to ram an officer with his vehicle. After suffering two losses so unnecessarily, it seemed that the not-afraid Bell family had had their fair share of losses, but death and life are both cruel assholes. And in 2019, while walking home, Selena's older sister, Tristan Gray, at the age of 22, was struck and killed during a hit-and-run. Her case also remains unsolved, and her murderer has never been brought to justice. Out of five children, only Selena and her younger brother, RJ, were left alive by the end of 2019. Despite the devastating losses they faced, the family remained hopeful. Selina inspired to be a ladies' Indian relay race rider, which is a horse-riding relay competition. She had a deep love for horses and talked about how she felt free when riding them. I imagine it was good therapy for a child who had been through so much. And though she had lived through so much sadness, those who knew her described her as a happy and outgoing girl. And on December 31st of 2019, at the age of 16, Selena was invited to a house party with friends and cousins in Billings, which is about 50 miles west of Selena's home in Hardin. The group spent the night celebrating and ringing in the new year together, with many staying the night, like Selena did. In the early afternoon the next day on January 1st, 2020, Selena left the house with a group of friends in a van, heading back to Hardin. Around 2 p.m., the van pulled into a rest stop off of Interstate 90. It appeared to be having mechanical issues, and after some work on the van, the driver had apparently fixed the problem. Well, sort of. Allegedly, he was worried the van would break down again and told Selena and another young girl who was with them to wait at the rest stop and he would send his mother to come pick them up. This man's mother only lived a few minutes away and was at the rest stop in about 20 minutes. However, when she arrived at the rest stop, she couldn't find the girls. She eventually located one girl, but when she found her, she was sitting in a ditch and claims to have blacked out and has no memory of what happened. She was wearing no shoes, and her legs were covered in scratches. When asked where Selena was, the girl claimed Selena had walked away from the rest area, headed south, and that was the last time she saw her. So basically, all she remembers is seeing Selena headed out behind the rest area towards... what? Absolutely nothing? When you look up Billings, Montana on Google Maps, you can see there is nothing out there behind the rest area but an interstate and a few scattered small communities full of people who obviously love isolation. My kind of people. It is open, arid land with only thin sagebrush to get lost in. The only trees visible are those around the rest area. The two women finally gave up and headed home. When she did not return home with the group, that day immediately her family started looking. She was reported missing and the panic started to set in. A search was done of the immediate area but failed to turn up anything. The family, fed up with the lack of urgency on their daughter's case, took a camper and stayed in the parking lot at the rest stop. They basically spearheaded the search themselves along with their local community. Many searches were done using dogs, drones, infrared images, and nothing. Not a shoe print or a trail or a witness, nothing. Selena was gone. Until January 20th, 1030 a.m., crews of the National Park Services who were doing a grid search alongside the Bighorn Police spotted a female body that matched the description of Selena lying in a patch of sagebrush less than a mile away from where she went missing, an area that had already been searched in the previous weeks. Doesn't this have a striking resemblance to the Alonzo Brooks case? Where they searched the creek and they searched the stream and the woods where he was supposed to be. Nothing. But, just weeks later, there he is. Right? Same thing with Selena. Very suspicious. Selena's phone was found with her, but the battery had died. The body was confirmed to be Selena, and during the autopsy, no injuries were found to conclude foul play. And her cause of death was ruled as hypothermia, but the case was considered as criminal. Here we go. Another similarity between this case and the Alonzo Brooks case, right? Where at first they uh, deemed his death drowning or exposure to the elements in like, I don't know, three inches of water. It's ridiculous. Hypothermia occurs when your body is exposed to cold temperatures. If it's exposed too long, it begins to use up stored energy in an attempt to regulate the temperature. But this actually leads to lowering of the body temperature. When your body temperature drops too low, it begins to affect the brain, making the person unable to think clearly, which may be the reason some people don't ever realize they are suffering from hypothermia, while they indeed are. Here's the thing, though. If it was that cold outside, so cold that you would freeze to death, would this perfectly healthy, sane and competent teenager just freeze to death in a field instead of going back into the shelter? It's not like she was too far to get back, or it was rough terrain or thick forest. No, it's small hills covered in in short dead grass and sagebrush. It would have been pretty easy to walk right back to where she came from if it was getting too cold. And she was not too far from the rest stop and highway to be able to find her way back to them. Just by the sound and lights alone, she would have at least been able to make it back to the highway. Also, it was 2 p.m. when she walked away from the rest stop. She would have not been in danger until later that night when the temperatures dropped. So what happened in the hours before it got dark? It would have taken her 10 minutes to walk to the distance she was at. Did they really overlook her body? Or was it dropped after the area had been searched? Her body shows no signs of animal scavenging and no debris was found on her after being out in the elements for 19 days during snow, rain, and high winds. An aunt who was at the crime scene claims that it did not look like she had been there for 20 days. Quote, There was no indention on the ground, no fluids or decomp of any kind on the ground or surrounding area. The defense of this is that it was January and that very little animal animal Activity would have occurred because of the temperature and weather. But that does not explain why her body appeared so clean and undisturbed, lending weight to the theory that it was placed there later. Also, interesting to note is that there is a small dirt road that runs behind the rest area, but again, it leads only back to the highway into a group of water reservoirs. Police blame the overlook on the vast amount of untrained volunteers and said the dogs were kept on leashes to protect volunteers, so they may have overlooked her, since they didn't have free roam. Although, the only video that I found of this search had dogs in it, and it showed the dogs walking around without a leash. But there were only two men out in the fields with them. So, not sure who they were trying to protect, or where this claim comes from. But there were times the dogs were out there without leashes. But in the dogs' slash police's defense, uh, they were not trained cadaver dogs. They were police dogs. This is why they had to be on leashes. So they didn't know exactly how to locate a body, per se. This is from the police. Federal and state agencies clash over everything when it comes to the Native American population in the state of Montana and across the U.S., uh, furthermore, it seems the states think the government should pay for and make changes to the systems in place, and the federal level seems to think that it's a states issue. Native Americans make up only about 6.5% of the population in Montana, but account for 26% of its missing. Missing and murdered women are so common that in 2017, President Trump signed two bills into law, the Savannahs Act and the Not Visible Act both aimed at protecting Native Americans from violence. Savannah's Act develops guidelines for responding to cases of missing or murdered Native Americans, including reporting of statistics and provides training for law enforcement agencies, including ways to work with tribes and tribal organizations in implementing those strategies. While the Not Visible Act, a companion bill, places responsibility on the federal government to step up its response to missing, murdered, and indigenous women. An advisory panel is to be established, composed of law enforcement, tribal leaders, survivors, and service providers to help address the violence against indigenous women. So basically, what that means is for the first time in our history, the federal government will now be required to account for missing and murdered indigenous women. Another very suspicious occurrence is that there was a Snapchat video Posted with Selena just minutes before she went missing. In the video, the driver of the van is seen getting into some kind of altercation with another one of the passengers. As well as someone is up front with the hood up on the van, working on the van. Selena seems to be somewhat content, sitting in the back seat, just passing time on her phone. This leads many to speculate as to why Selena and the other woman were really left behind. And maybe it explains why she left the rest stop and didn't come back. Maybe she was afraid to. Maybe this fight that was seen happening, this argument, maybe it escalated to a point that she didn't want to be around it anymore, and that left her out on her own. Either way, there are way too many gaps in the stories that these people are telling. Selena's case is still being investigated, so some of the information is being withheld for that reason. The latest update is that on December 23rd, the attorney's office charged 20-year-old DeAndra Pittman with endangering the welfare of children. Court documents state Pittman invited Selena to a house party on December 31st, 2019, with the intended purpose of drinking alcohol. If you have any questions about Selena's case, contact the Bighorn County Sheriff's Office at 406-665-9780 or the tip line at 406-665-9800. One thing you typically find in researching these cases of missing indigenous women or missing black women or or missing women of color in general um, is just the lack of interest, the lack of information, uh, the lack of effort. So often the first search turns up nothing, the second search turns up nothing. You see this over and over again. Hopefully, with these new laws put into place, um, the government will start to take more responsibility um, for these crimes. Because that's exactly what these are. These women are not walking away on their own accord. Um, This 16-year-old girl did not walk out into the desert to take a nap and die. Um, It's just, it's so strange. Someone kidnapped her. That is my opinion. Someone saw her at the rest stop. Or maybe... The van doesn't pull away right away. Maybe something else happened in that van. Maybe that altercation got a little out of hand. Who knows? Who knows? Or maybe Selena was running from someone in that van out into the desert and felt that it was unsafe to go back to the the rest stop or the highway. And possibly did encounter something out there. Maybe she dehydrated. It was the morning after a party. She was only 16 years old. How used to alcohol was her body? If she spent the whole night drinking and she was hungover and dehydrated and then laying out in a field in the sun, I know it was January. I know it was January. But still, being out there in the elements, being dehydrated, who knows? But, again, if she died in the desert and was laying there for weeks, there would be signs on the ground. There would be some sort of animal activity. There are plenty of animals and scavengers that scavenge during the winter. That is a cop-out. There are things out there that would have fed off of that body if it was laying there for weeks, and we know that. And she was in near-perfect condition. No signs of foul play. None. Nothing. Like I said, guys, take that with a grain of salt. We heard the exact same thing in the Alonzo Brooks case. And now look, that case has been reopened. They've already um, deemed it a homicide. Someone is going to pay for that case, just like someone should pay for this one. All right, guys. Well, that's my two cents. Um... If you guys want to dig into this a little bit further, uh, there are other articles. There are a few videos done by family members of Selena's. Her aunt has a video that she done as well talking about Selena. Her mother has done a few videos and interviews and whatnot. Um, There is footage of Selena's traditional uh, Native American funeral, which which is an incredible experience just to watch um, and the way that... These native tribes deal with death is somewhat inspiring to me. Her mother mentioned how there was no room for sadness, um, because she was relieved and grateful for the closure, the closure that she had, having her daughter back and being able to give her back to the earth. And like that just, as a parent, it, it makes you a, a little a little bit less afraid of disasters like this. A little bit less, knowing that I might be able to move on from something like this. And you're talking about a woman who has lost four of her five children. Can you imagine that? This family has lost four of their five children. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. All right, guys. Well, that's all from me. That's my opinion. Um, I will continue to look for updates in this case as I do with all the cases that I cover, and I will try to bring you guys maybe some good news in this. Maybe we'll actually get some justice. Who knows? But for now, let's check in with Lauren and see what he has to say in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's synopsis. Breaking down the case like break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's synopsis. Breaking down the case like break it down the case like cardboard boxes.
1: What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to give my thoughts on this week's strange and unexplained. The case of 16-year-old Selena Not Afraid of the Crow Tribe in Montana, who on January 1st, 2020, went missing from a rest stop between Billings, Montana, and Hardin on I-90. She was left there by a few of her friends um, and was supposed to be awaiting another ride from the friend's mother, I believe, and her and her friend were left at this rest stop. Not a good idea. She was found 20 days later, a mile away from the rest stop uh, in a rural area, uh, according to the autopsy, died from hypothermia. There was no other um, signs of trauma or markings on her body. Um, she had apparently Her death was ruled an accident. She had apparently either ran off or wandered off and succumbed to the elements out there. Now, the question is why? She was a very smart um, young girl. Why would she just wander off? Um, knowing when she knew there was a ride coming. Um, This leads me to believe that she was fearful for her life, one way or another, whether it was the group of teens that she was with. I understand there was a lot of speculation about their behavior that day. They had been drinking the night before. That was clear. Were there drugs involved? I know there was an apparent fight that had happened that was captured on Snapchat. Um, There was supposedly another Snapchat where Selena had blood on her pants. Was she a part of a fight? Was there some sort of a struggle and she was afraid for her life involving her friends or was there another person at this rest stop after the friends left between that time and when their rad was supposed to arrive? Was there some sort of a predator waiting in that parking lot, um, waiting to attack them? Now, her friend was apparently found in a ditch. Um, her legs were scratched up and she had no memory or recollection of how she had gotten there which would definitely lead you to believe that she'd been drugged. Um, I almost thought, was there some sort of a chloroform situation? Did someone uh, try attempt to abduct these two young girls, um, chase them and attempt to chloroform them? Was uh, her friend maybe struck in the head and lost consciousness, and that's why she doesn't remember what happened? But I think there's no doubt about it that Selena was afraid for her life. That's the only explanation for running off. Um, I'm not convinced she was murdered. I think this was an attempted abduction or attempted murder, and she ran off to, to try and survive and unfortunately succumb to the elements. Now, were her friends involved? Was there an abductor, an attempted abductor? I'm not sure about that. I do know it, it seems suspicious that her friends fled the state following this incident, and I think some answers lie with them. I think if they weren't responsible directly, I think they at least know more than, you know, what they're, what they're saying. So I think the answers lie with the friends that were there that day. What exactly happened? Um, why did she run off? Why was she afraid? What occurred? Um, and, uh, I don't know that we'll get answers until they speak up and it's pretty shocking. This is just yet another example of young women being, uh, murdered or going up missing from tribal communities and surrounding areas in the U.S. and Canada. It's far too common and far too often these cases go unsolved. Um, So I'm glad that there's more attention being put on this one. It's still pretty early on. I think this investigation is remaining open. It seems like the police are doing everything they can to try and find answers here, thankfully, Um, and hopefully with the efforts of the police and also, you know, publications, podcasts, you know, news outlets, hopefully some answers come to this and uh, the family can find out what happened to this beautiful young girl. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll see you next week.
0: All right, Lauren, excellent synopsis as always. That is an excellent point. Um, Those friends know something. Something happened that day. Uh, Whether they left her at the rest stop under the influence of something and they didn't want to take the responsibility for it, or maybe they thought she was going to be okay and they just left her and maybe there was some type of chloroform type deal. Maybe they were uh, kidnapped, attacked. Uh, The attacker realized that they couldn't take on both girls. They knock one girl out, take the other one away, later bring back her body, um, I don't know, but I but I do think that Lauren is absolutely correct in stating that these friends know more than what they're saying. Again, another similarity to the Alonzo Brooks case. If you go on Reddit and look up the Alonzo Brooks case, there's there's person after person who claims to be local in that area um in Kansas that knows something or they know someone who knows something. Um And I think it's the same way with this case. I really, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pressure put on a lot of these friends because as far as the family is concerned, uh, they probably feel like these friends are grieving as well. And the family kind of has their closure. They have their daughter back. They don't necessarily care the specifics. At least it seems like that to me. Um, But I'm sure there is a big part of them that would love to see justice and love to see uh, someone punished for this horrible crime. This horrible crime that was done to Selena, not afraid. So, guys, that's the case. Like I said, I'm gonna stay on some updates, and if anything else comes to this case, I will try my best to let you guys know ASAP. I have, as like for with every episode, I have listed all of my sources down below, and you guys feel free to click through those videos. Um. The Snapchat video, as well, is linked down below. Um, anything that I could find with this case in regards to audio and whatnot, there wasn't a lot that I thought would add to the actual podcast itself. Um, so a lot of the audio, you know, I didn't use in in the podcast because it was just easier just to to tell you guys the main parts of the video and whatnot. But if you'd like to hear these things for yourself, you like to Google Maps. Uh, Google map the place Google map that truck stop And see what you think um, But you're going to see what everyone else sees An interstate, a rest area And a bunch of open land Okay So that's the case guys Of Selena not afraid as of right now And this investigation is still ongoing So like I said We'll keep, uh, keep our ears tuned to that But On a housekeeping note I want to thank you guys for listening to continue to share the show. Uh, I've actually been getting a lot of extra attention lately due to another podcast who has come out with a very, very similar name. Uh, so similar, it's the same. I'm sure a lot of you strange and unexplained listeners and Sandu family know what podcast I'm talking about, but if not just search strange and unexplained again, and you'll see a new show that has popped up. Um, but on the plus side, it has brought a lot of extra attention to my show. Um, on the negative side, it's also brought a lot of negative attention to my show. <laughs> so I don't know if it's people looking up the show and expecting it to be a, a, uh, a show done by another network, but either way, I'll take it, right? No attention is bad attention when it comes to the internet, I guess, but I would... Um, appreciate if you guys would continue to share the show. Uh leave a review if you have a chance. Stop by iTunes, stop by uh Stitcher, uh wherever you're able to listen podcast addict. I think you're able is it on Android, you're able to leave reviews on there. So stop by there and uh leave a review guys. I'd really appreciate it very much especially getting reviews from people who are actually my listeners. Right? I've actually gotten I have gotten some positive reviews. Um from people who are not even talking about my show. They're talking about the other strange and unexplained. So I know it's gone both ways. I've gotten some negative reviews from it. I've gotten some positive reviews from it, whatever. It is what it is, right? But mainly what I want to do is I just want to continue to put out good content and I do not plan on uh, changing the name because it was my name first. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry just because I'm a little podcast doesn't mean that I uh have to change the name. So I do not plan on doing that unless I get a cease uh what a cease and desist letter. Cease and desist letter rather. Uh if I do get one of those, I guess I will have to change the name. But for now, I plan on keeping everything the same. I don't think the other podcast has been affected too much by what I'm doing. So it's all good. It's all gravy, right? Uh all's well that ends well, I guess. Even though it hasn't ended yet, we'll see how it goes. But either way, guys, thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you for your downloads. Thank you for sharing with friends. Um, and if you'd like to take it a step further, like Ashley Sakar did, you could sign up for Patreon right now uh, for $3 a month. And you get early access to all of these free episodes. They will come out on Thursday. And you'll also get access to another show on Monday to take the place of this show. You know, because you've already heard it on Thursday, right? Which is called Strange Shorts. Um, and in that show, I just cover smaller, strange cases. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're, they're older where I can be a little more, little goofier. Sometimes I have my wife on here with me who also helps write for the show. Um, and I plan to have other people on, uh, from time to time. So check in with strange shorts, guys, if you're looking for something, uh, something laid back, but still interesting, uh, and in the true crime vine. Oh, true Crime Vine. Well, I guess it's on the True Crime Vine, but in the True Crime vein is what I meant to say. Uh, it is available on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. And like I said, guys, for just three bucks a month, you get access to that. And starting in two months, Sandu Stories will only be available on Patreon. I'm releasing one Sandu Stories a month right now, so it'll be every four weeks. Chapter one was released two weeks ago. Um, chapter two will be released next week, right? Next week. Basically, there'll be three regular episodes and then a Sandu stories. Okay. And I'm releasing the first three Sandu stories, the first three chapters on the free platform. After that, you'll have to be on Patreon to get those. And those will be at the $5 level. Um, I hope too many people aren't upset about that, but that show takes a little extra production. Sometimes I have to pay voice actors. And so, you know, there's a little higher price tag on that type of entertainment on that type of show. So I hope you guys understand. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you have suggestions for the show, whether it be a Sandu Stories episode, or for just a regular Sandu case, please hit me up at podcast at gmail.com or you can message me on any social media at S and U podcast and it's spelt out a and D S and U podcast, any social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, go give me a follow, go send me a message. And, uh, yeah, I'll respond guys. I promise I'm trying to, uh, I got pretty good list of topics and subjects, but I'm always looking for new case suggestions and interesting things for this show. And you guys are the listeners. You guys are the wheels. So you tell me what you want to hear. Right? Alright guys. Uh, One more thing. Go check out merch. Truecrimeguys.threadless.com There is a link below every episode description. You guys, we have tons of new designs on there. Uh, Let me know what you think about the new artwork for the show. Uh, Pretty soon that logo as well will be added to our merch store so if you want the new and improved uh true crime guys productions logos whether it be for true crime guys or for strange and unexplained those will be available in the store very shortly all right all right guys well like like always i thank you for your time i thank you for listening and uh remember be strange just don't be strangers